Welcome to Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network and on all of our podcast feeds, including Red Circle, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, also on the Five Reasons YouTube channel and check out our content on fivereasonsports.com. This is a post split. This is what we do sometimes after the game. You're going to hear from Alex, Greg, and Brady. We are sponsored today, as always, by our friends over at A Aggressive Insurance. That's A Aggressive Insurance. Go to insurancebylanette.com. That's insurancebylanette.com. Two N's, two T's. What can she do for you? She can get you life insurance. She can get you renter's insurance. But also the big thing she can do is get you your car insurance. She's great at getting car insurance for people who may not have the best record. So check her out, insurancebylanette.com. Also check out ODM Performance Solutions. That's ODM Performance Solutions. You can find them at odmpsi.com. Today you're going to hear the Performance Solution of the game. From them, you'll probably get something better, like you'll get – a-list management. You'll bring in people who will finish deals for you, Rainmakers, and all of that. They can do that for you. They're a great consulting company. ODMPSI.com. My performance solution for the Miami Heat? Come out like you care. And now, today's episode. Down uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor plan, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop with one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to Five on the Floor. I am your host, Greg Sylvander. Tonight's floor plan with me, Alex Toledo. You can follow him on Twitter at Tropical Blanket and Brady Hawk. Follow him at Brady Hawk 305. We are going to recap um, what was a pretty disappointing uh, overall trip for Miami um, and it was culminated in a loss in Sacramento 119 to 113 uh, lots to unpack but we're going to do this efficiently um, and then we're going to do a deeper dive I think probably tomorrow as we get uh, set for them to get back home and uh, great they face the Golden State Warriors next but um, d- definitely a lot of concerns uh, throughout I think that they're um, there's real defensive issues that they can't necessarily fix with who's on this roster. They're um, a combination of slow and also not not really that long or um, big. And when you have those issues and you're switching a lot and you don't have guys that can that can guard up and then you're forcing threes and then threes are leading to long rebounds and then long rebounds are leading into uh guys getting out in transition it's just not working um so i think that they have a hole to plug and we're starting to see it and it's a front court hole of some kind or at least a rebounding hole uh, and, and obviously there's some defensive stuff here uh but i'm going to stop short on going that this team has an existential type issue just yet um i obviously recognize that the team does not look good there's lots of concerns um but I'm just not doing that six, seven games into a season. It's just not the prudent approach. And if you've watched any Miami heat season ever, you would know that that's ridiculous to start off that way. Um, So anyway, that's how I'm looking at this. I've talked enough to kind of get us uh, started. Alex, I'll start with you here. 
119-113. There's lots of uh, of Tyler Hero good moments. Bam Adebayo um, played well. Kyle Lowry rounded into form. Not much from the bench. What was your major takeaways as we try to blitz this game uh, quickly on this show? The major takeaway is that the, the Heat losing to the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento is an annual tradition at this point. They've now, I think, I believe lost five of the last six in Sacramento. They're known for constantly playing down to their opponent. And to be frank, they're not talented enough to be constantly playing down to their opponents as much as they have been in the last few seasons. I'm not trying to, you know, knock their hustle or anything like that. Like, I know this team has a great work ethic. But um, once you start, you know, letting Sabonis get cooking for eight of nine, it's a problem. There's a reason they were so, like, antsy to get him out of there as quick as they did, right? Like, I just think... Um, the way that the Kings were getting whatever look they wanted in the paint, the way that guys were getting not only, you know, the looks in the paint, but, you know, firing out to open threes and the Kings just really got cooking early on. Like the Kings picked up some firepower over the summer, not anything world beating, but really they're a team built with Sabonis and Fox and then a bunch of shooting around them and kind of very iffy defense when you just look at the roster. Right. So a team like the, the heat who would just, <clears throat> excuse me, allows a lot of threes. Like, this is just not good if you're also letting them get whatever they want in the paint. When you're the Heat, you're supposed to be good at not letting teams getting uh, get into the paint. And to top it off, like you just have to kind of play from behind the whole way. And they did a good job to come back from that uh, big lead that just kind of felt like it might have been over um, sooner than later. So, you know, I give them credit for that, but they shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. I know it's easy to say, but it's true. Like you ended up losing, if you're, you know, from the Heat's perspective, they ended up losing in the half court in transition. Um, the good things you can take away is that, you know, the rebounding was almost even. They had way fewer turnovers than the Kings. They did a good job into forcing Sacramento into turnovers as the game went on. The free throws, uh, you know, they had an advantage there. But it's just like the the defense in the first half was such a hole to play, to come back from, that they had to have just, uh, you know, to, uh, they were playing with a tiny margin for error. And they just they're, – they're not good enough to be in that position, especially when you're coming into a game – two and four at the end of a road trip. Like you, you have to secure that game. And it's just, it was way too easy for the Kings. It really was. And um, it's interesting when you look at Sacramento, like, and I really want to hone in on the defense. I'm going to keep harping on this. Like if I'm running point today, uh, this is where I want to hone in. Cause the offensive stuff, like there's, there's variance and they shot 39% tonight from three. Uh, so that's typically Brady. They can win like that, but just, I'm going to quickly run through these stats. Uh, Sacramento shot 55% from the field. Miami got 89 shots at the goal compared to 76 for Sacramento. So way more attempts. Uh, Sacramento shot 45% from three on 31 attempts and then got 29 free throws, out-rebounded the Heat. Um, but you mentioned the 20 turnovers, Alex. Malik Monk was not the guy. We thought he was going to be the guy, Brady, that would take this team down, and it wasn't him. Instead, it was kind of a collective effort. Uh, what are you seeing from this team defensively that's not working? Because that's the, the calling card of this Miami Heat team. It's how they got back in the second half and obviously making runs offensively. But what are you seeing specifically on defense from this team that's not working, that's leading to these high scoring outputs and teams shooting really high percentages against them? 
Yeah, the first element I feel like is a little bit basic, but it's effort. Like I think Alex was talking about some of the stuff they were doing, but it's like you kind of have to come out in the game in Sacramento knowing the spot you're in, I guess, record-wise, and be able to, to recognize that and come out on the defensive end and kind of make uh, a statement in that way because uh, they were sleepwalking out there in that first half defensively. Like you could always tell, and I always say this about the C team, when their rotations are clicking, you know the effort they're giving and, the, and kind of the rhythm they're in. When the rotations look like they did in that first half, it's hard to think that they even had a chance at that point. And that's why I was surprised they even made that comeback because I didn't think there was any saving those, those rotations. And we saw them improve in the second half a little bit. But it's like you can't put yourself in that type of hole. Uh, in terms of, of schematically, I think the paint's in the point. Uh, <laughs> totally the wrong way to say that. Points in the paint. Um, 36 points in the paint in the, in the first half. Like That's a problem, I guess, for one, scheme-wise. I know everybody's yeah. going to point to the scheme and say the soft switching which is part of this, like the fact that uh, you're giving up those type of plays when you're switching Bam out onto Fox uh, and you're kind of opening yourself up to offensive rebounds and putbacks. And the issue is that all probably 36 of those, when you go back and watch, were just the most easy of buckets for guys like Sabonis and others. Like that is the worst thing you want to do for a team like Sacramento. Uh, And the other part of this is I'll say that it's not just the scheme. They're specifically in the first half their point of attack defense was totally gone. Like they were getting blown by on the perimeter. And even if Bam was by the rim, it's like he rotates over Fox because there's nobody on him and he just dumps it out to Sabonis. It's easy bucket. So it's not like all about Bam being switched out to the perimeter, but it's some of it. And they need to switch up some of this. I mean, just kind of tune up some of this stuff that we're seeing defensively, I guess, in the, in the kind of point of attack region. So uh, there's kind of a couple of different elements. And I think I keep coming back to it. Consistency is a thing because we could sit here and say they were bad. And we could sit here and say that they were good in the second half, but that can't be the case because more often than not, you're probably going to lose the game that you're bad for a half. Like that's just the way it is. You have to be consistently good on the defensive end. And that's what's made this heat team good over, over the last few years defensively, because they've been good for pretty much the entire games in terms of on that end. If even if the offense wasn't coming together, but I'll just throw in the fact, because I know we didn't touch on the offense, the stuff we saw in the first half specifically, I think the offense was problematic at times too, because I think they deserve a little bit of heat because the flow and everything. And I think the defensive stuff t- kind of leads in and ble- bleeds into this type of stuff, but like the flow and everything and intention was just all over the place. Like obviously they picked up on it in the, in the third and fourth quarter, but it's like, that's another thing of consistency. Like you can't have your two first quarters where you don't know what's happening and, and who's going to get the ball and where it's going to go and what the intention is. They came out in the second half and basically said, because the Kings are going to chase you off the three and that's basically their game plan. We're going to go to the rim a bunch in the second half. And that's what sparked their third quarter run. That's got to be key in the first half because they put themselves in a, in a complete hole. Uh, and the, I really agree with you, though. The defensive stuff, I feel like, is the main main element here. No, but you bring up a good point. Like, I, I'm, I'm honing in the, on the defense because I think that's more of a systemic thing that needs to be fixed for the roster. And I don't know that the right um, – that the right fix and the mix of players is necessarily all here, but you're right. Like the offensive stuff to give up 71 points in the first half, but then also not show up offensively and it take you a half for them to start to look like they're clicking and figuring some stuff out. You're right. They were not aggressive enough, but you know who is aggressive enough, a aggressive insurance. They are an insurance broker agency. That's been servicing South Florida for over 15 years. They offer auto insurance, homeowners insurance, condo insurance, life, uh, retirement programs, free notary service. It's a one-stop shop. They represent, uh, 
leading insurance carriers throughout South Florida. If you have a bad driving record, this is where you want to go. A, aggressive insurance. There's no driver refused. Free phone quotes, so you get some info right off the bat. You want to reach out to Lynette. She's a friend of the program, and this is the website. Super important. Insurance by Lynette, L-I-N-N-E-T-T-E.com. So that's Lynette, not with a Y, but with an I. Uh, she also has an Instagram account, A Aggressive underscore insurance, Facebook, A Aggressive Insurance, and Twitter at Aggressive Insurance. Uh, definitely check out insurancebylynette.com uh, and friend of the program. Thank you for always tuning in. So let's talk offense for a little bit before we wrap. Um, Tyler Hero in the first half looked weird. To start the game, I was like, oh, no. Like, is he about to have another one of these clunkers? And then he started to figure stuff out to the point that he was kind of like toying with the De- I mean, De'Aaron Fox had a nice block, and he's De'Aaron Fox had a good game too. But he wasn't stopping Tyler. Um, it talk about anything positive, Alex, from an offensive perspective that you're taking from this game. I know that obviously, uh, Jimmy had kind of an off night after doing a lot of heavy lifting in some of the previous games, the bench was non-existent. Um, but I guess Tyler hero, let's talk about Tyler hero 13 of 22. Uh, what did you like most about what you saw from Tyler tonight? Well, look, it's just the fact that he can, um, kind of fight back because the, the, he got better as the game went on, right? And I think that was the 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 key thing for me is that he was coming off a couple of tough games for him, and I think the expectation for him was always to get better, right? Is always to stand out, especially coming into the starting role. And I think it was starting, you know, to pick up a little bit. And now it's like, you know, the end of the road trip. You want to get this win against Sacramento, and they're the Sacramento Kings. They haven't made the playoffs in t- since two thousand six. For a reason, like they're again coming into this game, they hadn't won a game, were easily one of the worst defenses in the league, which you know anybody could have seen coming, and just like Tyler getting it going here is good to see, just to see him kind of fight through the adversity, you know what I mean, and and just go crazy because he ended up going thirteen of twenty two, and I think that's exactly the type of performance they needed when you only get four of eleven from Jimmy, right, and. Um, I think probably definitely the worst game we've seen from Jimmy so far in this regular season, which is not to trash him. He's been awesome, even though he still, you know, did a bunch of great stuff in this game. Like I thought he was awesome defensively and especially in the second half was one of the biggest reasons that he were able to come back there just with his presence and along with others. But the other positive was bam going nine of 16, you know, getting to the free throw line six times. Isn't crazy. You get, you know, eight free throw attempts from Lowry, just some things here and there, you know, since you asked for positives, right. But no, Tyler was easily the the biggest takeaway there. Like he just gets to his spots with ease at this point. And he was taking all the shots that were there, was making tough ones. I mean, had to dunk through traffic. Like what more could you ask from him? I think if they just would have had a little bit more from Jimmy, you know, maybe one or two more threes um, fall down and that's it. Like they, they win this game and, and you know, this, that whole uh, lead that the Kings had just, goes up in history it's really it really came down to you know a couple of shots towards the end but tyler almost offensively willed them to the win again other guys contributed for sure in that second half with the especially with the team defensive effort that was completely opposite of the first half but it was just great to see tyler had this game after the the games he's had so far agreed 
and we're not going to poke out a bunch of positives because um, I know that the listeners are already thinking Greg's about to come on here and try to enable what's happening and and be, uh, you know, like apologetic for what's happening. That's not where I'm going with this. There are issues because the margin of error is too slim for this team offensively. Like they essentially need Jimmy Bam and Tyler to get cooking every single night for this to work, or they need to shoot lights out. And so Brady, as they go back home and we're going to dive into this more tomorrow, but just like quickly, with the margin of error this slim and with them needing and really Kyle too, if you really look at it, they need those four guys to basically get 13 or more points for them to really cobble together any coherent type of offense. And that's just a super basic way of breaking it down. How are they going to operate between now and when they can potentially even make any type of moves? And we're going to close the show with a little bit of that here in a minute. Um, how can they offset that and, and essentially figure out ways to transcend this uh, such a small margin for error offensively? Uh, as At least that's what it seems like so far to date this season. Yeah, I'll say step one is like, you know, you're kind of in an awkward position where you're so early into the season and a heavy portion of your minutes are like survival mode. Like we went through that, that portion when it was like, get through the Dwayne Dedman section. And then it was like, okay, maybe don't let Jovic get picked on too much over this specific minutes. And then it's like, okay, maybe you just has a mess to look serviceable for this many minutes. Like, it's just like you're going over and over and just trying to survive over pockets of time where it's like, it's just not a good formula, I guess, for especially when we're this early into the season. Like, that's usually something that comes into that December, January range. So, uh, ways that they could kind of survive over this time period. I think a portion of it is you saying the shooting like has to be like elite. Like they have to be able to shoot the three ball at a high level, which they shot it decent in this game, but it was just more so, so heavily in one half over the other. But the big thing, and I don't want to just harp on the same thing, but like we kept saying before, I think it's the most important thing. They'll be in games if they defend at a high level, like they, that could even bypass the, the rebounding deficit slightly. Like the rebounding deficit is big. Like we've been talking about how big time that is. The fact that they're, they're just kind of getting easy buckets in the paint, put back second chance points. But if you're closing out on rebounds, I mean, uh, on closeouts and rotate rotating and all of those things, it can kind of, I guess, diminish the, the differences, I guess, between when you are out of this, like when you don't have these guys to rebound, but you don't have these guys uh, to defend in the point of attack, like in all the depot. And I'm not saying all the depot shifts things, but I'm just saying, these are the things that they're missing right now that they, uh, are kind of lacking at the moment. Like the two guys that are on the injury report, which once again, let me repeat, that is not going to change. I don't think these outcomes of these games too much, but the two issues that I'm talking about are point of attack defense and rebounding. And they have two guys on the injury report that they could at least use to try and push this thing forward. So right now it's just like, try to get to a point where you're not in survival mode. Uh, so it'll be interesting. It is also interesting to me how these minutes are being distributed in very odd ways. Like I pointed out in the last one after the Warriors game, and it's like, so they went 10 deep tonight. Haslam got eight minutes. Jovic got one minute. And uh, Duncan Robinson got five minutes. Like they're going so heavily into like the seven guys, and they're just trying to tr like try stuff along the way because they know what they have, and they're just trying to push things in a certain direction. But I think they know at this point, when you look at this roster and, and just trying to get these certain guys help, uh, they just need that little extra thing to put them over the hump. And the last thing I'll say is, are we ever going to see like Jimmy Bam and Tyler play well on the same night? Like, I feel like we're getting to the point where every time where we at least see two of them, it's like, we come on here and we're like, 
well, this one guy didn't push through. And I think it's been all right. three of them at some point. Like if them three could all click at the same time, then maybe we're having a little bit of a dis- different discussion and at least can get them a couple extra wins along the way. It's true. If the depth isn't there, they have to figure that out. Um, All of them, Kyle has to step up and they have to be able to play together because they're playing such a significant amount of the minutes, you know, so you're, you're spot on there. I'm really interested. They come home and they have, they're going to get Sacramento again, I think, but then they've got golden state first and golden state. If I believe I saw before we started recording, they were losing, um, they are down 101 98 uh, right now as we're recording in Charlotte. Oh gosh. If they're, if they're coming off of a loss coming into Miami, that's going to be a tough one. Um, but you know what won't be tough. It's taking Steph Curry's over on prize picks for that game. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. You literally choose your favorite players, choose a statistic. They posted, uh, you know, let's say it's, 25 points for Tyler Hero uh, against Sacramento. You choose over or under. If you would have gone over, you uh, you hit that one. You stack a bunch of those correct picks together, and you could win up to 10 times your money. It's available in 30 states, D.C., Canada. Get in the game today, but use the code 5, F-I-V-E, to have your initial deposit matched up to $100. That's F-I-V-E at prizepicks.com. Download the app or use it on your desktop. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, so here's how we're going to end it. From each of you, um, 
scale of one to 10, 10 being um, most concerned. How concerned are you about this team? And question two, is the solution to this team being a contender currently on the roster? Alex. Well, for the first question, I think, you know, just my first reaction, I, I think I'm going to say, let's say 4.5 for level of concern. I think it's starting to grow, uh, grow a little bit, but it's less of like a, of like an overall concern. I'm not, I'm not sure how to describe how I feel right now, just because I think a lot of the, the losses so far, it's been like lack of execution and uh, not great shooting. I don't think the shooting has been awful. It hasn't been great either. You know, that's one thing that they've been really good at in the past few regular seasons. So I do think, you know, not that it was terrible tonight, but like Brady said earlier, it, uh, it took a while to pick up and, you know, just playing from that deficit, like between tonight, uh, you know, the Chicago loss, you had the tough Warriors loss. Like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like they were outmatched in a lot of these games. You know what I mean? Uh, that I felt it, it feels like they're in all of these games for the most part. Right. And so that's why I don't feel that concerned about it, but it is more of a concern of like, what is this team in general? Um, and I, I'm still more worried about potential playoff matchups after having seen some of them, like they can compete but teams will find the holes and go at them every time. And so you can compete and have great schemes and do a good job throughout the game, but then, but then like things will break down. And we saw that against the Warriors, for example. Again, the Warriors just won the title. That's not the best example because it's not a night-to-night team for the Heat, but just in general, like there are holes and teams are picking at them. And I think they're a little bit easier to pick at because they don't have some of the size and bulk they had last season. And it's not all of it, but... So, uh, I didn't mean to ramble here, man. I, I, it's just hard to uh, describe how I feel with the heat right now. It's very up and down. And so uh, what was the second question? <laughs> do you think that the solutions are on the roster today? Or do you no. think that it's inevitable that they're going to have to do something different from a roster construction perspective? If you're talking about an individual solution, no. I, I think like they have what they have. You can play certain guys more and that will help. You know, if you think so, that's fine. Like if you want to play Jovic more, I understand. I'm with it. That's cool. But if you're talking about um, just trying to help um, solve some of those matchup issues, no, that's not on the that's not on the roster right now. Brady, so they're two and what? One, two, three, four, five. What what are they? Two and six? Two and five? Two and five, I want to say. Two and five sounds good. Yeah. It's better than two and six. <laughs> we may be getting there. Uh, how concerned are you? And um, is the solution to this on the roster? Yeah, I'm pretty much with Alex. I'll say I think I'm a little higher on the scale. I'll say around a six. Uh, just because of the reason that he mentioned, like the fact that I said before the season that they're going to need to move at some point. I just thought they could buy enough time before the deadline to like be able to do enough with this roster to be able to win regular season games. But my take was that if you go into the playoffs with this, like if you match up with a Milwaukee with a Boston, that is just so much bigger. They're just going to be able to pick you apart. But now it's getting to the point where that's the reason my, my, the number of my scales get a little higher because I think they need it for the regular season too. Like when you're looking at the deficit, you're seeing game in and game out with the rebounding stuff with the def- defensive stuff, with the fact that Bam's getting in foul trouble really early in these games, partly because he's being more aggressive. Like, that's another discussion, but he's being more aggressive. He's getting offensive fouls. 
you can't have him. You can't have both. You can't have him be aggressive and and then want the foul trouble to come back. And then all of a sudden now Haslam and Jovic and all these other guys are just sharing time to kind of buy enough time, like I said before. So, uh, and I'll say, I definitely don't think the answer's on the roster because I really believe they need some front court help. They really do. Like, uh, they just don't have enough options right now. Like they're leaning way too heavily on their main guys. And I don't think they thought they were going to do that this early in the season. Like they've always been about depth. Your last season, especially like all they preached was depth. And the fact that we were talking after games about which guy that was going to be out of the 10 man rotation, because they had so many options. Now it's like they're shrinking to seven when games really matter. Like second halves, like this early in the season, it's getting a little strange that I think that alone. And yes, they'll say that because they have some guys out, but like, that shows what the, what Spo and his coaches have thinks of their roster. Like the fact that this early in the season they're shrinking to seven, uh, it tells you that they need some help around the edges or specifically in the front court. So uh, I think that number is going to keep rising as much as they keep getting uh, kind of destroyed defensively and short on the boards. But uh, I, I'm still not in like in the panic mode. I still think they can win regular season games if they get their defensive stuff together. But ultimately, you're going to get to a point where you're going to need that move. And if you're going to inevitably get to it and there's that guy that you see out there, get him sooner because you can use him now. Okay. My concern level, uh, it matches Kyle Lowry's uniform number. That's a seven. Um, I I don't know about all this y'all. Um, but I also think that it can be fixed. So while the concern is high today, this is just a moment in time. And at another moment in time, the concern level can go down. You're absolutely right. The solution is not on the roster. And the issue is, is that, well, there's two things. One, how quickly can you find reinforcements or patch this up long enough to then be able to get reinforcements? Because you can't be like 11 games below 500 and then go to make the solution like that. That's not going to work. So you, you have to start thinking in those terms, but you have restrictions related to that on who can be traded, et cetera. So how do you buy enough time to get to that point? And here's number two, like if they're really deficient in certain areas and they just skate off the, the luxury tax, like that just shows that there's a fundamental belief that they don't think necessarily that, getting anyone out there is going to really move the needle enough to push them over the edge and make that big of a difference. And to me, then that's an indication that we need to look deeper at this roster from a construction perspective. So, um, but I think that they can make a trade. I really think that there is a Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala type move that can absolutely shape shift this roster. Um, but they're going to need to start looking. I'm with y'all there. And uh, haha, listeners, my concern level was higher than both Alex and Brady. Good night. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.